In the name of Jesus, amen. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Dear saints, today we consider what God himself says to husbands in the Bible. But before we can learn what husbands should do and not do, we need to learn who Christ is and what he has done for us first. What Jesus has done for us is precisely what it means to be a man. Christ is manly. He, and he's manly not because he's powerful, has lots of money, or drives a nice car, or he's popular. Jesus is manly because he sacrificed himself for his bride, the church. That's what it means to be a man. To be manly, to be a true husband, is to sacrifice yourself for another. So think about it. What is the most manly thing a guy can do? If somebody breaks into the home in the middle of the night, the husband or the father doesn't hide behind his wife and children, right? And if there's a war and they're drafting citizens to be soldiers, you don't send your wife and daughters to go fight in war for you, right? In both cases, the man gets up, he kisses his wife goodbye, he tells him he loves her, and he goes and he protects her. That is manly, that is honorable, that is what a good man and husband and father does. He doesn't cower away in fear or hide behind his wife and children. He protects them. He stands in front of them and he lays his life down for them. And this is what Christ did for us, the church, his bride. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, Adam was standing there with her when she disobeyed God and he didn't protect her. Even more, when God confronted them and asked Adam what happened, he blamed Eve. And then ultimately he blamed God for giving him Eve. Adam was the least manly man because he didn't protect for or care for his wife Eve before falling into sin and even after falling into sin. But the question is, what should Adam have done, right? What would have been the right thing for Adam to do? First, of course, he should have stopped his, his wife, Eve, from disobeying God. But even if he couldn't have stopped her, once she did disobey God, Adam should have immediately taken her by the hand and went to God. And Adam should have said, God, you said the day in which we eat of this tree, we will surely die. And Eve ate from this tree and she deserves death. But I beg you, take my life. Let me die instead of her. Let her live and let me lay my life down in her stead. The one who is without sin, yet let me do it for my bride. Needless to say, Adam didn't do it. He didn't save her from her sin or punishment, but in fact, he joined her in that sin. But where the first man failed, a greater man came and took his place. This is why Jesus is referred to in the scriptures as the last Adam. Where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. And Jesus did what Adam should have done. 
When Jesus, the bridegroom of the church, saw us fall into sin and death and disobedience and guilt, he took us by the hand and brought us before the Father. And he showed the Father, yes, we indeed sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God and that we are indeed worthy of temporal and eternal death. And then he took our place. He took our sin, our guilt, and he died in our place as if he was the one who committed the sin. He went to the cross and he suffered for all of our sins, all of our failures, all of our lovelessness, our disobedience, our anger, our lust, our unbelief. He was born on Christmas to do this very thing, to grow up from an infant to be a man and to lay his life down for us. And when Jesus did all this, no one took his life. He willingly and gladly and joyfully laid down his life in the midst of such bitter agony and pain, knowing that you would benefit from it, that you would receive a crown of salvation. And he did this knowing that he would save you, his dear bride. You see, the Father forgives all of your sins because Christ has already paid for them. He has paid back the debt that you owe to the Father. All the good works you owed Him, Christ has paid for Him. So husbands, now that you are reconciled to God, and God is reconciled to you, now that you know how Christ treats you, His bride, the church, you love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. From Christ, you are not only forgiven for, of all your sins against your wife, but you also learn to love your wife as a husband should. You have the famous and excellent and perfect example of the inexpressible love of Christ for his church in order to move you, husbands, to imitate him by thinking of your wife as a gift from God, as a jewel, as treasure in this world with true and genuine love and treating them as God wants them to be treated. So with all that being said, you should listen to what the scriptures teach. This is good exhortation and admonition, not only for men who are married, but for all men. You teach this to children and you teach this to one another. And wives, learn what to expect from your husband. Learn what a good husband looks like. And women, learn how to find a godly man. So before getting too deep into this, I want to remind you that marriage itself is a most blessed estate created by God himself. Uh, but the problem is we oftentimes let other things get in the way and other things seem like they're more important. So as kids, uh, we ask, or we ask children, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And oftentimes the answer is, I want to be a fireman, uh, a basketball player, a teacher, a pastor, a doctor, or whatever else. But children answer this way because we train them to think this way. Because when is the last time you heard a boy say, I want to grow up and be a good husband one day? Or I want to grow up and be the best dad in the world? I want to have an awesome wife and a bunch of kids and a family that is happy and there's this great and joyful chaos in my home. You don't hear that because as a culture, as a society and a country, we don't tell our children how wonderful marriage is. What a blessing and gift from God it is that he would think of us in this way. 
We're so pragmatic and industrial that even our children think about work before a family, even before they have a family. It's not bad to desire work and to, be, uh, to work in a certain industry and have a certain occupation one day. This is a good thing. But we should really understand that a father's job is to turn his sons into men who will one day be husbands and love a woman as, as good and as well as he loves his wife, their mother. So the, the scriptures tell men everything they need to know to be good husbands. And it does so in one Little word, love. If a man can love and he can love well, he can be a good husband. And what does it look like? So we can summarize love or, or parse it out into three words. Uh, and there's some alliteration here to help you memorize it. But to provide, to protect, and to procreate. Right? Love is found in the husband to provide, to protect, and to procreate. So the first thing is to provide, and scripture says husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So, guys, you know how to love yourselves. In fact, no matter what you think of yourself in this moment, I can guarantee that you love yourself. Not in a bad way, or I'm not saying you're full of yourself or arrogant or anything. I know you love yourself. Because you provide for yourself and you take care of yourself. You feed yourself, you clothe yourself, you provide shelter for yourself, you get yourself good things, things that you like, things that you want. You don't complain and grumble about yourself. You don't talk back at yourself. You don't raise your voice at yourself. You don't treat yourself harshly. You don't abuse yourself, do you? You don't ridicule yourself or demean yourself. In fact, you clothed yourself and you brought yourself here to church today. You see how that works? All those things which you do for yourself, do for your wife. That's what it means to love your wife as your own body, to clothe her, to feed her, to shelter her, to protect her, to clean up after her. Do all these things for her as if you were doing it for your own body. That's what it means to love your wife, even taking her to church and teaching her to repent of her sin. So God made you one flesh, and when your wife hurts, you hurt. You're only hurting your wife, your, yourself if you hurt your wife. You provide her with everything she needs in this body and life. Colossians 3 says this, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, as a footnote to the sermon uh, so far, as much as you love your wife, you should never let your love for your wife or a woman trump your love for God. Your love for your wife should not cause you to forget the love of God and his word, and neither should you sin in order to please her and make her happy. If you lie for your wife, get revenge on her account, or do bad things in order to make her stay with you or be happy, Repent. Don't do it. A woman like this is ungodly and she is not worth pursuing. For single guys, if you find a girl who wants to move in uh, with, you with her before getting married, go find someone else. She's enticing you and tempting you into sin. 
And if you're in a marriage like this already, call her to repentance, correct her every time she entices you to sin. Even if she entices you to skip church and stay home, don't listen to her. You know what the word of God says. Rather, be a man and take the lead. Rebuke and correct such thoughts and behavior and then lead by example. Present your wife as holy and to, to present your wife as holy and blameless doesn't mean to lie about her or ignore her sin. It means to call it out and bring it to repentance and forgive it. Alright, so the second thing you're to do, the first thing was to provide, and the second thing is to protect her. Of course, the most chivalrous thing you can do is protect your wife from danger and harm, like I said in the beginning. Men, it is your job to lay your life down for the family. You go to war for them and you take care of them, but a husband doesn't simply take care of his wife physically. The best way he can take care of his wife is spiritually. There are many physical dangers and threats, but there is a greater danger and a threat against the soul. Sin, guilt, and the devil are constantly looking to destroy marriage. So you need to protect your wife from all evil by teaching her the word of God. Men, listen, uh, listen to this clearly. You need to know the word of God better than your wife and your children and anyone in your home. So if they know the, the word of God well, you need to know it better. You need to study it more and compete and, and learn more than she has, right? You are the head of the household. It is your responsibility to lead devotions at home, to pray with your wife and children and to talk to them about what God says. Men have a great, a great, a great temptation to simply sit down, be lazy, let their wives lead the home and teach the children, but don't do this. The scriptures tell you not to neglect your wife. Right? This Advent, start doing devotions at home. If you're a few days or weeks late, so be it. You miss a few days, that's fine. Don't beat yourself up. You get up, you dust yourself off, and then you start over. That's called repentance. And I know you work hard, but if you work hard to make money and have a home, work a little harder to place your wife and children into the arms of your dear Father in heaven so that they have a mansion waiting for them when they are received into his throne. Your labor in teaching them will pay off because you'll have them forever with you in the resurrection. So that means you should learn what the Bible says and be able to answer difficult and obscure questions. Even if you don't know the answer, you know where to find it. And most importantly, along with this, learn to sing and sing in church. <laughs> learn the hymns and the liturgy and sing it out loud. God doesn't care what you sound like. He only cares that you profess your faith in him. So sing loudly and belt it out. Who cares if you're on key or not? Sing boldly and with conviction and certainty. And teach your wife and children to sing good, solid, manly hymns that confess what God has done for us. And finally, husbands are to procreate. As a husband, you should never deny your wife the children that she longs for so much, the people she wants to love so much. If you're unable to have children, leave it in God's hands and pray that God's will be done. But if God wills for you to have children, 
don't prevent yourself from doing so. Don't deprive yourself of, you and your wife, of the great joy that God wants to bless you with. When you love your wife from that love, God creates more people for you to love and more and more and more as the family grows. So, getting ready to close. Being a man and a husband and a father is hard work. But it is the greatest blessing. All the work and the trophies and accolades and money will disappear one day. But your dear wife and children will not. Do everything in your power to take care of them and love them as God has loved you in Christ. God gave them to you, not to anyone else in this world, but to you. It is your responsibility to take care of them. Do everything possible to make sure your dear wife and children are with you on that final day with all of the sheep gathered before his throne. Men, you have the greatest authority in the house and the home, but you also have the greatest responsibility. So conform yourself to the image of Christ who willingly sacrificed himself for the church. And when you fail which you may already have and will again. When this happens, repent. And run to the manger and to the cross of your dear Lord. Run to the font and to the altar where your God is. Run to church and find the God who became man, who took on flesh to make you his own. Go to where Jesus is and receive his forgiveness and his love and his unending and dying joy that he promises you. Know that he forgives you all of your sins and gives you the strength to amend your ways and be better than you were the day before. Come to church and receive his love and his forgiveness and in that love and forgiveness, love and forgive and cherish and nourish your wife. She is your greatest treasure here on earth. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.